we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Some of the questions I've seen in the last few days in regards to, well, Novavax uh, is within the United States itself, which it wasn't one of the readily available vaccines, is that potentially this would be a real option here uh, for Americans as well. And there maybe I call it the big three, those other vaccines, but maybe this might be a new option uh, here in uh, the U.S. Uh, listeners are questioning that actually and asking about it uh so that's a good place to start right there and uh, welcome to america out loud pulse friends it is malcolm out loud here along with dr peter mccullough all right so i i've had i've seen let's jump right into the novavax i've seen a series of listeners the last few days questioning you know the availability will it be coming and that a lot of people it's um the the fear of these other vaccines has really taken hold to a lot of folks and this might be a very viable option what do you think you know, we just had the Novavax presentation this week at the FDA vaccine and biological uh, review panel, and the vote was 21 to zero with one uh, abstention for Novavax to move forward. So I thought that was favorable. Wow. So that means it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen then? Almost certainly. Now, the FDA can always uh, go against what the advisory panel uh, proposes, but this was the strongest vote so far. I've had a chance to look through the 80-page briefing booklet and then review in preprint the overall clinical trial results by Kunkel and colleagues, and then a prior study done uh, against in South Africa by Schwindy and colleagues. So these are the three major data points. Novavax against the earlier variants of the virus overall had about 90% vaccine efficacy, similar to Pfizer and Moderna. It was lower in those over 65. It was down in the 70% range. Across the trials program of interest, no hospitalizations or deaths for COVID. So, you know, they have recruited a very low risk group of patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, through there. And so in the briefing booklet on efficacy looked good. The uh, Novavax executives in the press releases and in the briefing booklet are very honest. They said, listen, this is against the older versions of the virus. We don't know if it's going to work against Omicron. We you know, have reason to believe it would work against Omicron. We have reason to believe it would protect against severe disease. But again, no hospitalizations and deaths to report. What people really want to know about Novavax is on safety. Okay, this has been the real catastrophe of Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson, AstraZeneca. The genetic vaccines has been safety. With Novavax, there were cases of myocarditis, but instead of having them come out after release, we actually are on top of it in the briefing booklet for Novavax. And so they reported myocarditis or heart inflammation, and it did occur in... um, uh, a, uh, I'm going to give you the exact number of individuals here. This was a program of uh, 29,000 individuals, uh, about uh, two-thirds randomized to placebo, placebo uh, or one-third to placebo, two-thirds to Novavax. Myocarditis occurred in, uh, looks like six cases with Novavax and one case with placebo. Placebo, I don't think it was legit. It was somebody who had 
uh, di- is a, a person, a 31-year-old female who had diarrhea and alcohol intake and her troponin, her cardiac blood test was unimpressive. But the cases with Novavax that occurred were impressive. I mean, these cardiac troponin values, typically less than 14 or so is normal. They had troponin levels of 32,000, 7,800, 300, 5,329. These are monstrous levels of heart damage. Now, granted, it was only in six patients out of the 19,000 or so who received Novavax, but at least they were forthcoming about it. There were also cases of blood clots, about a similar number of cases of blood clots where the doctors thought the vaccine caused the blood clots. So what I'm telling you with Novavax, it looks like a much more honest application than Mm -hmm. Pfizer and Moderna. And there are hazards there. And my viewpoint on Novavax is that it's almost certainly going to be safer than Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson, and AstraZeneca because the amount of spike protein is controlled. If we look in the table of serious adverse events, the grade four reactions are basically absent with Novavax. Uh, It's interesting when they get the shot in the arm, there's no fever. Uh, virtually no fever. There's a sore arm, but it's a different type of systemic reaction. So I have great hope that Novavax will be safer. The real question is, is it obsolete? The uh, Novavax um, executive said, listen, well, you know, we'll retool it for a different variant. So I think out of all the vaccine applications, this one is most interesting and most exciting for future safety. It's been used in Europe and Australia. We just don't have any summary safety reports as we sit here today. But people have always asked me, Dr. McCullough, if I was forced into it and I couldn't live another day without taking a vaccine, uh, would Novavax be favored over the other ones? And I would say yes at this point in time, based on what I know. Yeah. Well, Australians have been taking this, as you say, for quite a while because we've been seeing the correspondence from them for quite some time. Uh, and it's been a, a real option for those folks out there. But you're not you're still. So from what you explained right there with the numbers, you're still not without risk uh, with this kind of a thing. I mean, I was very carefully listening to the numbers you were explaining there with the cardiac piece of this, which has been a big problem with all these others, massive problem, actually. Uh, This one looks to be a lot less, but there's still a risk there. And people have to weigh that social contract again, and what that's all about compared to are they willing to take the risk or what sort of risk it is, right? Well, you know, I can't say the risk is less because the risk isn't quantitated. Remember, uh, these are just spontaneous cases that go forward. How many people really are sustaining heart damage? Mm. And we don't yet know about it. Uh, The the idea is, uh, you know, we can only look at spontaneous cases uh, that have advanced uh, forward. And the the data set is uh, smaller. So we have, I mentioned the, the overall um, number of people in the study, uh, let's say for individuals who would be at risk ages 18 to 65, that subset, there was 15,884 randomized to Novavax and 778,68 randomized to um, placebo. That's for dose one. And then for dose two, that capitulated through, all the way through 15,148 for Novavax and 73. Uh, uh, 7361 for placebo. These are small numbers when we're talking about applying it to you know the whole world. So um, uh, we don't know the frequency of it. Uh, I, I do get a sense that there's some honesty in this application far better than Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson, AstraZeneca. And um, you know when, when, when those products came through development, they simply were just told to America, safe and effective, safe and effective, just take right, it. Right. Here it's different. Novavax is saying, listen, there are some risks here. 
Wow. And maybe Novavax is going to bring us back towards a more fair, informed consent Interesting. Uh, situation. I love what you say there. You've, you've used the word honest uh, two or three times now. And I think people can relate to what you're saying because that's been a missing component of all of these factors uh, that we've been dealing with here. When do you think this will happen? Uh, uh, the, the approval? They have, uh, uh, I think, clearly within about 30 days, the FDA will make a decision. Many times it's within a matter of days. They have to set up distribution. Uh, they have to set up the supply chain. Novavax is not like Pfizer or Moderna, where they, you know, where they had a, a tremendous infrastructure. Moderna didn't have it, but Moderna had huge government help that um, that Novavax didn't get so much. And that's the reason why Novavax has been um, been delayed. But Novavax is a novel method. It does not use messenger RNA. It's not genetic. Right, right, uh, right. It uses what's called a matrix. Uh, mm -hmm. So it actually depends on some plant and insect um, models to actually produce it, which is interesting. Well, I was just, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say, uh, this is not the, the messenger RNA is not in that one, but um, it's just more traditional type vaccine that people are aware of. Then let me say, why still the problems? If this doesn't have, I mean, a lot of these uh, challenges uh, and risk seem to be associated with a lot of the messenger RNA and all that was in there. Why still the, and I know we don't still know everything about it, but wh why is that still happening with this vaccine when it falls more to more traditional means? Is the, Are those problems still existing, do you think? The commonality between all, that's common to all the vaccines is the mm -hmm. spike protein. Yeah. And the spike protein, which is that spine on the surface of the virus, in some people, no matter how small the dose or exposure uh, can certainly cause problems. Now, thank goodness there weren't any vaccine deaths in the Novavax program. We, I'm unaware of any Novavax deaths out, out there in the world. There, it may have occurred. Um, but at least with Novavax, we know how much spike protein the body is getting. And the goal would be if you get low enough that you wouldn't have any deaths, the body would survive it. It's like tetanus shot, tetanus toxoid. You get low enough. Uh, you simply don't get deaths with a tetanus shot. The problem with the genetic vaccines was that it was a genetic installation and the amount of spike protein and the duration of exposure was uncontrolled. Yeah, good. Thank you for that. Uh, you explained the spike protein is still is still the, um, the, the troublesome part of all this and the bodies to heal from all of that, not to mention when you get COVID itself, you've got that spike protein and get, uh, getting that out of the body has always been a challenge. And a lot of listeners ask that, how do we you know, get that? It's not easy to remove out of your body, is it, right? No, there are no methods of removal. People have right. uh, you know, tried uh, and thought about using uh, plasmapheresis, other forms of chelation, proteolytic therapy. I think the body just has to, you know, slowly digest and clear this stuff out. It's almost like having Lyme disease. The, the Lyme bug is in you for a long time and you've got to clear it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I know friends who've had that Lyme disease. It's not pleasant at all. And it, it's very tricky too on your body for sure. All right. You see this other report here. I want to get your opinion on this. Um, it, because I don't know, there's something, the CDC, so they're raising, they raised the monkeypox alert. Uh, they recommended masks during travel. Then they removed the advice from the website. So they're sort of capitulating back and forth here and not really quite sure what they're doing. This comes back to, in my world, to the trust issue. 
And, and I'm also thinking, as I read these reports here, I wanted to ask you and share with you, it seems to me like, I, I think, or I could be wrong, but I think that things are being overstated quite a bit because of the fear and this um, heightened awareness now of people. And I, I'm guessing if this monkeypox thing had happened like five years ago or three years ago before COVID, it would have been nothing. It would have even been, a. I, now that's just me speaking. I don't know, but I'm guessing, I'm asking you, I think it would have been just a blip on the radar screen. It would have been here and gone. We would never even discussed it, but now it's like, oh my God, it's another, you know, is, is that a, an assessment you would agree with or? In part, the, the media and the population is primed for a next biological scare, but in part the U.S., had quite a uh, biosafety operation going on with monkeypox because it's so similar to smallpox. The fear would be that there would be some type of bioterrorism threat with one of these orthopox viruses. So uh, Dursky and colleagues, MMWR in 2018, summarized the literature 1970 to 2017. You know, there's a thousand cases a year of monkeypox in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Outside of there, uh, the case numbers are in the hundreds elsewhere around the world. The number of cases we see in worldwide right now is no different than any other annual number. I guess it's just a recognition that it's outside the United States. Remember, this is a pustular skin rash. It's like big blisters on the arms, the trunk, the legs, and on the palms of the hands. It's not shingles. It should not be mistaken for shingles. It's self-limited uh, in modern day care in the absence of any other problems. It's not lethal. People don't need to be in the hospital. The news just reported a case in Dallas yesterday. Wow. And this person's at home. They're just getting the medication called T-Pox. But, you know, the U.S. had a program, just T-Pox or Ticoviramat. It's an oral and IV drug, very effective at treating it. The U.S. has a stockpile of T-Pox. It's called Operation BioShield, 1.7 million doses. It can be used in adults and even in children down to 13 kilograms. Uh, Kiernan and colleagues published in the New England Journal of Medicine last year in 2021, a 28-year-old who had uh, orbital smallpox. So there was a case of smallpox and it was treated successfully with this T-pox drug, which looks absolutely terrific. Now, there's also a vaccine against monkeypox. It's, the company is, is called Genios, and they, it's a double-stranded, live attenuated vaccine. It's already associated with myocarditis. This is important to know. Mm -hmm. Kiernan and colleagues has reported myocarditis with the T-pox vaccine. And it's also been reported with the smallpox vaccine. The smallpox vaccine is vaccinia, which is actually cowpox. That was phased out of US use in the 1970s, but the military brought it back. And in a paper by Halzel and colleagues in JAMA in, in 2003, uh, they gave the smallpox vaccine, the old vaccinia vaccine, to the military, I guess for some uh, mission or some, seg some, some segment of the military, we have 2.7 million military personnel. They gave it to 230,734 individuals. They got 18 cases of myocarditis with the Vaccinia vaccine. Again, it's been reported with the Genios vaccine. The vaccines we think could be effective, but they've actually never prevented a case of monkeypox or smallpox with the Genios vaccine. Uh, but in this trigger reaction, the US already bought 13 million doses of the Genios vaccine uh, to uh, you, you know, potentially protect the population. Some were advising what's called RIM vaccination. So you get around somebody with mon monkeypox, you get exposure, you should be vaccinated. I've been following these cases closely. Unless there's sexual contact or kissing or close contact, it's not transmitted. It's not transmitted through the air. 
Uh, in New York City, they announced uh, masks uh, potentially. Uh, the CDC wants masks back on airplanes due to monkeypox. I think it's a gross overreaction, Malcolm. Well, that's what I was speaking about. They, they come out with this whole mask thing again. It's definitely an overreaction. Uh, it, it, this monkeypox is not easy to get. I mean, from everything I've read on it, it's not easy. I mean, you have to really be in close contact. Uh, that's why they refer to sexual relations or but any but not necessarily that, but really close contact with that person to, to get it. Um, well, let me just add to that. Yeah. Menage and colleagues uh, in the June 3rd issue of MMWR reports on 17 U.S. cases they're almost all younger men having sex with other men. Now, importantly, anybody over age 50 uh, should have protection because they had the smallpox vaccine as a kid. I had to check with my mom to see if I did get the smallpox vaccine. I did. I bet you did too. Michael. I did. I did. So, yeah. so we have nothing to worry about here. Uh, I think this is going to be a very limited, rare situation in younger people. I've never seen a case. I would like to see a case to actually really confirm it. But um, at this point in time, I think America can really settle down on this issue. Don't don't have it in the front of your mind on it. Uh, we certainly don't need to have masks. You know, the Department of Justice is getting involved on the mask issue on airplanes, trying to swing power back to the CDC. This is an epic power battle. Mm. Boy, wow. It is indeed. It's a power battle. It's like you get a victory and then they want to come back after it and they want to reinstate these uh, policies here. Um, there was uh, one last quick uh, story here. Um, headline I seen here. Th this happened to run in CNN, just to, so everybody knows where it's from. It says U.S. has a very serious problem with COVID-19 vaccine uptake. Um, so people are not taking, but here's some numbers. I didn't, I don't know if you agree with these numbers. And that's the reason I bring it up here. Uh, according to this report and to the U S centers for disease control and prevention, do, do you know that only 48.7% of people over the age of 12 have been fully vaccinated and received at least one bo booster dose in the U S so they got that number less than 50%. And that's a lower rate than all these other countries. And they say, you know, 69.6% of people over the age of 12 in the United Kingdom, 55.5 uh, in Canada, and across 27 European Union countries, 62.6. So we're on the lower side of that. I mean, is that because we're more we're more involved, more educated, uh, more, uh, I don't know, more su suspect of what these agencies are doing? But interesting numbers there uh, with this report. And they're, they're, you know, they're, they're saying every, not everybody wants the shot. And then this Dr. Peter Marks, the director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, says we, we do have a problem with vaccine uptake that is very serious in the U.S. And anything we can do to get people more comfortable to be able to accept these potentially life-saving medical products is something that we feel we're compelled to do. You know, when I see quotes like that, I go through the roof and turn myself because they never tell the whole story. They never tell all the cardiac problems. They never say all the other potential risks to our bodies or injuries. They always say, again, safe and effective. They're still saying that, Dr. McCullough. You know, I've looked at the vaccination curves. You can see them from the CDC. There were two big waves of vaccination. The first one was after release. So from December of 2020 through about April of 2021, a big mountain, and then it really dropped off. And then there was a second wave of initial vaccination that really picked up in August or so that coincided with the employer mandates. And then it dropped down again, 48% uh, receiving a booster at any time. Uh, that is tractable. When I looked at the booster administration, my estimates are 
within six months of receiving a booster, it's only 25% of Americans that in a sense are fully vaccinated. And people have lost their luster for vaccination, particularly the boosters, as they've seen relatives and others be injured, have disability or death after vaccination. So, you know, you don't have to have social media. You don't have to have major media. People just talk to their friends, family, in their church and other circles, and they see it happening. And they know they're under, in a sense, a propaganda campaign to get vaccinated. And now they're naturally reluctant. Yeah, they are indeed. We're going to jump into your questions right now, uh, my friends. And uh, this one is from Christine. She says, on the subject of COVID transmission, if you are near someone who has COVID and you do not get it right away, can you get it after four or five days from that same person transmission? Yes, about five days is the number. It could be as, as long as 10 days, uh, but you're within the range. I tell you, if you're around somebody who's had COVID, start those nasal washes right away or the Cofix RX, uh, the clear product, start a nasal product right away. That's far more effective than anything else you can do. Uh, I rely on this every day in my practice. For prevention, it can be twice a day in each nostril. And then for active treatment, we bump it up much to much more frequent dosing. Okay. Uh, this one is from Daryl. Um, my wife and myself were recently looking at having children. With all the new information that came out, I have major concerns. The reason for this is almost when these vaccines rolled out and she got one dose of Pfizer uh, mRNA, she has not got any more as she knows how dangerous they are, he says. My question is, with it being almost two years ago, is there a chance, and approximately how high do you think, that the vaccine can affect any baby we may want to have? It has been almost two years since she got that first shot. Is it possible her system is clear? I honestly have no idea who to turn to, what tests can be done to check and see if it's safe for her to carry any child we want to conceive. There you go. You know, it must, that patient must have been in clinical trials because two years is is too long of a period of time from the release. Remember, they were released in December of 2020. So the two-year anniversary would be this December coming up. But let's say a year, to be fair. I'd say if the vaccine, just one shot, and it's been more than a year, hasn't been any side effects, I don't see any reason uh, in, in attempting to, to conceive. Uh, you know, we can't conjure up continued fear on this. 80% yeah. of the world was duped into or forced into taking one of these. But if there's no clinical manifestations of problems, I would say, listen, it's clear sailing. Don't continue to have worries or concerns. All right. Perfect. This one is from Pamela. How can we help the body get rid of spike proteins? Just what we were just talking about a moment ago. My husband and I have the two Moderna shots. Um, and uh, let's see. And I understand both the shots and, and the infection gave us the spike protein, which damages cells throughout our body. So is there any way to get rid of it? They're saying. You know, I recently was on a program with Dr. Paul Merrick and who's interested in this. Uh, and he was mentioning techniques just of interest, intermittent fasting, a very healthy diet that's uh, you know, almost a vegetarian-like diet, reducing sugars, starches, saturated fat, exercise, uh, nutraceuticals and supplements, uh, really kind of a natural approach to letting the body clear it out. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I'd love to talk to him, by the way, on the program some point, because I think he's onto something. I really do believe that the, the lifestyle plays a huge factor in all of these things. 
And with the right mindset and the right impact in your body, you can, I think you can make a difference for sure. This one's from Amanda. I have noticed that every time I spend prolonged periods of time with a known vaccinated person, I end up getting sick, scratchy throat and nasal congestion consistently every single time. I have not taken any COVID test during these symptoms, but I'm starting to wonder if I should. Is it possible for vaccinated individuals to shed spike proteins and cause illness in non-vaccinated or other vaccinated individuals? Is there any new data regarding this realm of potential issues? I'm not vaccinated since I had COVID in May 2020. I also had presumably uh, the Omicron in January 22. I just find it very odd that the last seven times I've spent prolonged time with vaccinated individuals, I end up sick the next day. Anything to that? You know, people have asked about shedding now for more than a year. In my view, there have been no papers that have proved shedding. There is a paper by Stephanie Senoff from MIT, and she's one of my co-authors, that uh, is a theoretical paper on shedding. And then um, there was one uh, paper by, uh, I'm pulling it up right now. First author is Kettle, Kettle at uh, the University of Colorado School of Medicine. And the, the title is Evidence for Aerosol Transfer of, of uh, SARS-CoV-2 Specific Humoral Immunity. And in this paper, it's purported that someone who takes the vaccine through respiration could, in a sense, breathe out the spike protein and, uh, and using swabs and other assessments on the recipients, uh, they make the case that, in fact, shedding has occurred. You know, it's a brief paper. It's in preprint. I don't think it's too uh, con- convincing. And uh, if, if this person looked at this paper, this would be the strongest evidence that, in fact, she's feeling something. I think what she'd really want to know, though, is she actually getting any immunity? And I'd love to see, in her case, get a antibody panel, uh, and I use the Quest quantitative antibody panel of four uh, IgG and IgM against the spike protein in the nucleocapsid, and also a T-detect test. Go to tdetect.com, t-detect.com, sign up for it. It does cost about 200 bucks. Get your blood drawn at LabCorp and see if the T cells have been influenced, and see if actually there's conference of immunity in the recipient. Uh, I really would love to see that. Right now, I still, with all the people who've taken the vaccine and all the reports of purported symptoms, like has been uh, stated here, I, I would have thought that there would be a much bigger literature on shedding than what there is right now. Right. All right. Well, there's some great advice for you, Amanda. And if you do all of that and take that advice, please follow back up with us and let us know what the results of that were. You get those tests and all of that. And maybe we can uh, answer some more questions, put that to rest there. Um, This one is from Kate. Uh, I listen to the show uh, every week and follow America Out Loud closely. I'm appreciative for all your sacrifice, honesty and efforts to help your fellow man. Wow. I am a mother of four, and we've all managed to steer clear of the mass vaccines. We've all had COVID a time or two and recovered just fine, praise God. However, my oldest is in college and currently studies international relations with the intention of working for an NGO, uh, like the World Vision or Compassion. Uh, She has had a strong desire to live and work in another country since we traveled to Ethiopia several times, adopted two uh, of our children. The issue is that she wants to study abroad next academic year, and of course, they are requiring the vaccine. She does not want to get it, but worries that this is just the way the world is now. Now listen to this. And if she doesn't comply, then her hopes of studying and eventually working outside of the U.S. will be dashed. 
She is conflicted and believes that even though she knows the vaccines are dangerous, the world is moving in a direction that will make it impossible to do much without them. I fear that she is correct in her estimation. Do you have any advice regarding her predicament? And this is an interesting question from Kate, Dr. McCullough, because a lot of people can relate to what she says there very well. What do you think? You know, with the flip-flopping on mandates, the flip-flopping on vaccines and testing, nothing is stable. It's hard to read the tea leaves here. You know, we don't have any masks or any restrictions in the United States. In Canada, you can't get on the plane unless you've had a vaccine. Uh, Europe has had a variety of on and off again uh, vaccine mandates. Right now, vaccine is not needed to travel to Europe. I've got a trip planned, but I can tell you, if tomorrow they said you have to have a vaccine to go to Europe, I'm not going to take a vaccine to go to Europe. Um, and I can tell you, learn, knowing what I know now, if I was a young person, I'd take a sabbatical for a year or two of work and then let this whole thing start to settle out before you move forward. You know, we may be a year or two away from safe vaccines, so you can actually take one uh, just to get along with everybody else and, be, and, and have it be safe. Or it may just drop altogether and you can do what you want to do. But I think this statistical calculation in terms of potentially ending your life with a vaccine or having a heart damage or a blood clot in order to do the study abroad, it's too hard of a decision to grapple with as a young person. I can tell you, every single person who's got heart damage or a blood clot uh, or heaven forbid have died, there is regret by everybody involved that they did it. And they look back on it and said, you know what, that study abroad wasn't worth it. That job wasn't worth it every single time. I haven't had a single person say, yay, I got a blood clot, but I still got to go to tra travel a uh, study abroad. Not a single person. Yeah, I, I got an interesting one for you in just a few minutes that'll uh, that'll get our eyes to open, but th that I recall. But you know what you just say, they're so perfect, Dr. McCullough, very, very, very good. And, and you know, listen, I, I, man, I so agree a thousand percent. Same thing as Dr. McCullough says there. I, I'm giving up the trip. I'm not doing it. I, and in fact, I've done that. I, I've not traveled to a certain place or done a certain thing because I won't succumb to those policies. So you have to make those decisions and sacrifices in your life. It's a personal thing. And if you're willing to risk it, that's your choice. But you're going to suffer those consequences if they hit your body. You know, my own daughter is in college and they were forcing the vaccine on her. And it's a very, very um, uh, well-known art school that's one of the best, difficult to get into. Got to be really talented to get in there. She's really worked hard. She's been on the Dean's List, Dr. McCullough, every semester. Remarkable. She's done terrific. But, you know, they forced that vaccine on her and really tried to push that. And we said, no. So she went through having those tests, you know, the, the what is the PCR tests, right? They call it. And mm -hmm. she was doing that routinely because she was not willing to do it and still has not done that. Um, and now the rules are changing a little bit and they've laxed it and they're now get coming off their high horse. So it's exactly what you said. The rules are going to change on this and even other safer things will be available. But still, I think these things will change here just ahead. So it's worth and saying. Let me just say, Malcolm, that, uh, uh, you know, transferring or changing jobs in a constrained marketplace wh where we are now is very reasonable. If people actually start transferring or changing jobs, it's going to give a signal to people involved that uh, the people are exercising their choice. Remember, there's always a right of making a choice. You should always have a choice if you want to take one of these vaccines or not. Kids transfer colleges all the time. 
People change jobs all the time. And what's happened is people have gotten this mindset that, oh, I'm going to lose my job. And I'll look at them. I said, I've known you for 20 years. You've changed jobs five times. What's the big deal about changing a job now? <laughs> people just feel like for some reason, for the first time, they feel stuck. And I had a young man who actually went to my undergraduate university, Baylor University, and they didn't mandate the vaccine, but he felt pressured into it. So he took the vaccine and he developed heart damage or myocarditis. And he felt so burned by the experience that he transferred to Southern Methodist University that doesn't have a vaccine mandate. Neither did Baylor, but he didn't have any testing requirements either. And I think part of this was he, he moved to be closer to his parents, but he also was exercising his freedom of choice. And I think people, if people exercise their freedom of choice, then it would send a signal. Listen, I'm, I'm scheduled to be a headliner at a meeting in Italy, but you know what? Tomorrow, if they put up a vaccine barrier, they're going to miss their headliner. That's how it goes. Right. That's exactly I love it. I see. I, I'm the same way as you and you know that we're not willing to compromise uh, our, our, our those personal decisions we've made and our integrity. And that's a decision you're going to have to make out there for yourself. Uh, very clearly, it's a very personal decision for all. But the risks are there and you've got to weigh those odds uh, very clearly. Um, now, uh, as we transition here, and I've got some really interesting questions ahead here as well here. Uh, I, let's take a, a, just a moment to pause here and, and mention here. Uh, one of the things we've taken great pride on at America Out Loud is to really talk about products that improve our lives. So you hear us talk about them on the platform for, for obvious reasons, because they're solid. You, Dr. McCullough just talking about Cofix and Clear just a moment ago here. We'll come back to those a little bit here. But there are two products I want you to be very, very aware of real quickly. And then you make a personal decision for yourself. One of them is a very unique product we have uh, available that's called the Genesis Fogger. And you use HOCL in the fogger. And the HOCL is, the more I hear about this product, the more I, I'm really um, in, in tune to, I, I mean, I use it now myself, but I mean, the more I'm excited about it and want to tell other people about it because of how safe it is to use, but, but it the kills all these pathogens, everything from superbugs, viruses, influenza, SARS-CoV-2, and you put it in the fogger and it disperses it around the room. Now, this is another thing, Dr. McCullough, it's also good for mold, I guess, mold, things like that, and the air we breathe. It's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It is. It's also good for bacterial pathogens. Uh, you know, this morning, my wife smelt some type of sewer smell. There was some plumbing work oh, done, yeah. and it may be coming through a trap, whatever, get out the Genesis fogger and knock it out. When you smell something bad, it's because something bad is there in the air. Is that so true? I mean, you don't smell it just by coincidence. There's something clearly there that you don't, you can't see what you can smell, right? Is that right? Right. You can't see, but you That's can smell. Right. So you want to get the source. So for instance, if it's that sewer smell, chances are it's a, it's some bad water in the trap. So you can always pour a little bleach down the drain in the trap, but you still have that smell in the air. The Genesis fogger is what you want to do to cleanse the air in your house. All right. So there's, here's the bottom line for this. There's a free ebook. Now I love the ebook because it's so full of information. It's totally free. There are no strings on any of that. There never is here, friends, but you can take a look at that free ebook. There's uh, some banner ads back at America Out Loud. Just click on that or go to Genesis Fogger. 
dot com forward slash out loud and the ebook is your study and see if it's a fit for yourself our listeners get 15 percent off that fogger you have to use the code out loud that's how you get it I, I do believe this product is going to really catch on more and more now just ahead there's a lot of things we become more in tune and we realize the value or importance of them uh, the other great product to bring to your attention is one that i personally take i've been taking it for over four years and uh, that is Healthy Cell is an incredible product because the Immune Super Boost, uh, the, the uh, REM Sleep, incredible, uh, and the, uh, what is it? Oh, Focus and Recall. Love the Focus and Recall, which has sort of got an or or orange uh, tendering taste, I guess. Some of them are more in the berry taste. They taste good, actually. You take it right out of the package, which I know is how you, how you take it, Dr. McCullough. I put mine in a little bit of water because I take other things with it. And I've become very uh, um, adapt to wanting to keep my immune system really, really healthy. Uh, a lot that's the kind of the common denominator, Dr. McCullough. A lot of these questions and listeners, if you have a healthy immune system, you're going to be in far better shape for anything that's going to hit your body. If we've learned anything from COVID, it's that principle, isn't it? It's true. Re recall that when there's an extreme deficiency of any of the virus, any of the um, vitamins, there is a disease. So for instance, B vitamins and berry, berry, niacin and pellagra, and you can go on and on. The, the other thing to remember is the gastrointestinal tract is different in each person in terms of absorption. So healthy gel uses the microjet technology that markedly enhances and in a uniform way guarantees absorption. I think this is terribly important, particularly in the elderly uh, where, where the GI tract doesn't have the absorptive capabilities and these big chalky vitamins, uh, God knows how much is actually uh, absorbed there in the elderly, particularly people with, with you know, no teeth or they're using uh, dentures or other things. The, the gel pack is so readily accepted as opposed to a big bulky vitamin uh, a pill uh, or tablet that I, I think it's the go-to product. The other thing I've learned clinically with healthy cell is you have to use it every day. And especially the REM sleep supplement, it doesn't put people to sleep, but it ensures a higher quality sleep. And I tell people, listen, 90 days straight and tell me if you don't have a better night's sleep. And I can tell you every patient says, wow, it's really made a big impact. Once you get a good quality sleep, then the next day is better. There's less stress hormones. Then the next night is better. And it's a very favorable cycle that the body gets into. Yeah, the stress hormones are the problems. They really are. And they, they bring on disease. I mean, I've learned this in my own life. And I, you know, I, I got to practice what I preach here now as well, friends, really. But I, what I'm saying is stress is a real killer. I mean, I, and it, it worries me because uh, well, you're, I'm stressing over the stress, Dr. McCullough. <laughs> so, well, well, listen, you know, you're moving, you know, moving. You've actually had two stresses that I think the biggest stresses in life, car accidents and moving. Yeah. And when you move, the stress levels are through the roof. I mean, moving yeah. your house, changing your office, yeah. the stress levels are through the roof. Well, that and, and D having my wife having COVID twice and uh, what we went through in that perilous uh, journey, we went through it all. Um, wow. Um, so the, the, the whole thing here is... Uh, the immune system again, and immune super boost has vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract, 
All of those components are in that product. And the micro gel that Dr. McCullough talks about is so key. Over the years, we always used to take those big vitamins he talks about. We'll call them whatever you want, chalky or capsule. It doesn't matter. Uh, but they were the big pills, what have you. The problem is, friends, they don't absorb into your body. And I learned this several years ago, well before COVID. Uh, that's the thing about the micro gel. It absorbs into your body right away. So it's the new way. It's the new style of, of getting the impact in your body. Our listeners get 20% off that first order with Healthy Cell with the code OUTLOUD or the banner ads back at America Out Loud as well. Uh, HealthyCell.com forward slash OUTLOUD. These are products that I feel very good about. They bring value to our lives. Uh, and they they enhance our lives in ways that very few will. So anyways, check them out. See what you think there. It's all back there now at AmericaOutloud.com. We'll take a real quick pause here for station identification, and we'll be right back with you, friends. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's healthy cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use healthy cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The immune super boost, focus and memory, and the REM sleep supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. Go to healthycell.com and in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. And as we join you back here on America Out Loud Pulse, it is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And we're taking all the questions here. And this one, I got some real good ones. I want to get right into them now. Uh, Linda, my 28-year-old daughter just tested positive. 
uh, just a few days ago. She started feeling sick, body aches, now very sore throat. What is the treatment protocol for this present, present COVID? Now she says present COVID, right? Ivermectin, gargle with the povidone iodine, saline solution, zinc, quercetin, vitamin C and D, or is it different now? Pretty well the same, isn't it, Dr. McCullough? It's pretty well the same, although it's a milder variant. I rarely uh, see somebody who needs ivermectin now. So we do the uh, oral and nasal virusidal washes, dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide, and then what we call the OTC bundle of the McCullough protocol over-the-counter bundle, which is zinc, 50 milligrams, vitamin C, 3,000 milligrams, vitamin D3, temporarily 20,000 units a day for five days, and then quercetin, 500 milligrams twice a day. We add over-the-counter famotidine or Pepsid in the United States, 80 milligrams, which is four times the usual dose. And we do that. I think of someone her age, about five days, and she'd get through it. I rarely see somebody who needs more than that right now. And thankfully, Malcolm, I haven't had any of my patients require hospitalization now for months. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Very cool. You know, people are still getting this. Here's one from Abby. I tested positive for COVID yesterday. We were exposed by grandson who was running a fever when we kept him on Tuesday. My fever was 102 yesterday, and I have severe congestion in throat and chest. Do you know where I can receive a prescription to... Uh, budesonide uh, and or prescription for azithromycin as well. I did take uh, ivermectin yesterday. I live in the Fort Worth area. Any other thoughts for Abby? The, you know, the physician list is at Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, uh, aapsonline.org or myfreedoctor.com. I do agree. I think steroids are needed here because she's on ivermectin. She's on azithromycin. Uh, she needs inhaled budesonide or oral prednisone. I do this every day in my practice and, and she'll get through it fine. But, you, you know, again, it's a grandmother. It's very different. Grandmother, we need to use some more intensive drugs as opposed to a 20-year-old because age is a big factor that can actually push some patients uh, to the point of hospitalization or death. Okay. <clears throat> this one is from Michelle. <clears throat> For a pregnant woman, what adjustments need made uh, to your early treatment protocol? I'm healthy, 36 and pregnant, unvaccinated, never had COVID, uh, bought into the fear and was really cautious for almost two years, trying to overcome my anxiety and live more of a normal life. Oh, God bless you, Michelle, I hear you. Uh, again, but feel it's inevitable I will catch COVID at some point, back to that immunity or herd uh, deal there. I think I'd push for monoclonal antibodies uh, or uh, fluvaxamine or take extra vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C. Am I on the right track, she says? Any reassuring data on pregnancy and COVID that you could provide to ease my anxiety? You know, there are two papers, one by Pinellas and the other one by Winkies and colleagues. Pregnancy is a low-risk COVID state. A pregnant woman has a lower chance of being hospitalized or heaven forbid dying compared to a non-pregnant woman because it's a God-given state of super immunity. So pr pregnancy is not an immune deficient state. It's a super immune state because the body is in a sense building up to deliver that baby through the birth canal and really does have to fight off bacterial pathogens and others. It's almost like the celestial design committee was making the the female body much more fortified to carry that baby to term. So she should rest assured that she's super immune at baseline. Now, uh, the nutraceuticals and supplements that I mentioned are fine for the baby. The uh, nasal washes, we prefer to use dilute hydrogen peroxide, three quarters of a teaspoon in 1.5 ounces of water for uh, the nasal wash and gargle. Do not swallow. 
And then if COVID-19 strikes, the preferred method is we use, uh, we can use oral hydroxychloroquine, uh, which is perfectly fine. We use um, uh, inhaled budesonide, oral prednisone, oral azithromycin, and uh, limited uh, aspirin, which is uh, perfectly fine. Uh, monoclonal antibodies have been used in pregnant women in severe cases, but we don't know about the long-term outcomes. They look safe. Um, I would steer clear of Paxlovid, molnupiravir, uh, definitely steer clear of remdesivir and steer clear of vaccination. Those would not be safe in pregnancy. Okay, there you go, Michelle. Uh, this one is from Deborah. I had COVID in August 21. Still don't have much taste and smell. I did start losing my hair. One symptom I currently have is hot flashes. I've already been through menopause and I didn't have hot flashes before COVID. Could this be a symptom of long haul COVID? Do you know? Definitely. The spike protein, it sounds like a severe case. August of 2021 was probably Delta and it was a severe case. When you get to the point of hair loss, changes in your nails, changes in menses, weight loss, I can tell you the virus has taken a big hit in the body and it can take probably a year to clear out that spike protein. Remember the Bruce Patterson paper, I had Bruce on the McCullough report. He had patients like this where he could measure the spike protein actually trapped within monocytes, which are white blood cells in the body up to 15 months afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I went to, my wife went through all that massive hair loss, all kinds of complications with the long COVID. And we, we, we just had a strong mindset. We, we doubled up. We took a lot of the preventive things, but healthy cell, we got out and walked every day. We pushed it and she did remarkable. And she was better prepared for the second time COVID hit. Thank God. Even though I was panicked with it after what we went through the first time. So it, it's doable. You, you can get through this stuff. You, you just, you have to be determined in your mind and you have to, you know, take the right products. <clears throat> this one is from Monica. Where do we find the best uh, residual uh, COVID symptoms, treatment plans, inflammation and hyperimmune responses seem to be persistent for my 14 year old son, not vax, but did get Delta recovered, but then had a massive inflammatory response two weeks later, lots of brain fog still. Hmm. Wow. Two sources for the long COVID protocols, and again, are all empiric because we don't have randomized trials, but the two sources are the World Council for Health. That's a website with a yellow and pink background or the Frontline Critical Care Alliance, flcc.net. They both have protocols. They're largely what we've talked about, use of uh, nutraceuticals uh, and supplements. The um, last issue of the McCullough Report, if you want to go back or it's just it's on the uh, iPod, iHeart Network now, I go over long COVID with, um, and vaccine injuries with Dr. Pierre Corey, who uh, gives a pretty comprehensive approach. I've tried to dedicate some time to this. It's just that we don't have randomized trials, nor do we have any clear-cut prescription medicines that make an impact. Uh, when you go to the platform, friends, AmericaOutloud.com, go to the menu under shows, go to the McCullough Report. All the shows are listed there on podcast, to be sure. Or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. You'll also get them. And people still 
write in all the time asking how that's how you do it. And, and on the website, on the right sidebar on the front page, there are a lot of links there. We're on so many podcast networks. You can get this about anywhere at all. Even Pandora, uh, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, you name it, you name it. Um, Linda has a two-part question here. Uh, the first thing she has, I'm not sure there is an answer for this one, is there any treatment for hair loss post-COVID? Uh, she almost wanted to go out and buy a wig. It was so bad. And I know because my wife experienced that. Now, the beautiful thing about it is the hair came back. In fact, her hair is growing fast now. It does. It, it, let me give you good news, ladies. Let me give you good news. Uh, it does come back because my, my wife went through all of that and she was panicked like anybody would be. She had beautiful hair and was losing it like, oh, my dear, it was scary. But it's all coming back, all new growth. And we just struggled through it. And she's gotten to the other side of it now. The other question beside the hair loss for Linda, Dr. McCullough, is, is there a correlation between psoriasis outbreaks and a COVID infection? Both uh, a plague and uh, postula varieties popped back into my life approximately two, three months post-COVID. Prior to this, I had not had an outbreak for over a year. Any thoughts for Linda? First question is, uh, the lead nutraceutical for hair loss is biotin, and you want to head towards a higher dose, 1,200 micrograms uh, uh, per day of biotin. Some people take 1,200 even twice a day. The, um, the next issue is on psoriasis. Yes, I've seen psoriasis bloom after COVID. I've also seen it bloom after vaccination. And so, uh, you know, that needs to be managed uh, with the, the usual therapies that you use to get, to get psoriasis under control. Okay. All right. This one's from Chris. I had COVID back in January, 2022, and shortly after developed indigestion, stomach issues. Is there anything I can take to help get my guts back in order? Could ivermectin help by chance? My gastrologist says I probably have post-viral IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, I'm sure, because uh, I had it as a kid myself. Um, any suggestions would help? You know, there's a paper of interest. I, I haven't focused on this in the McCullough report, but I, you know, I did want to bring it into, um, you know, bring it into view. And that is an analysis of uh, biopsies done for other reasons in the gastrointestinal tract. And they've basically demonstrated that uh, indeed the virus is there in the body for months afterwards this person probably actually has COVID virus in the GI tract. So it has brought up the issue of uh, whether or not uh, ivermectin would work. Again, no published studies. Uh, I think almost always there's a disturbance in the microbiome. So probiotics would play a role. A good website to check out on this that's really studying this actively is called Progenobiome. Progenobiome. And by full disclosure, I'm an advisor to that company. I don't receive any income or a financial stake, but I'm aware of it, Progenobiome, and check out what they have for microbiome post-COVID. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, there's a few questions we have here, which I, <clears throat> I want to try to fit these in because I couldn't get them last time, but they're on the nasal uh, business. And, and let's see if we can't answer some of these. This one's from Jan. Can the, uh, the povidone iodine solution for nasal wash once mixed be kept for a few days or should it be mixed up daily? The small volume, uh, I use a 3cc little small volume uh, pump sprayer. I think you can leave it on the on the table at least for several weeks. I haven't found any difficulty with it. Okay. Uh, John says, could you explain the use of the 1% iodine solution in the nasal passages to stop COVID reproduction? How does it work and why? It works because it's a higher dose, 1.5 
100%, but it actually has other components in it. Cartagena, Cartagenian, the uh, grape seed, uh, uh, grapefruit seed extract, uh, it has components in it that cause it to settle and be much more resident in the nasal passages. So it, it provides like a defense uh, shield against the virus for a longer period of time. Were you speaking there when you just said that about just the iodine solution, or was you speaking that answer you just gave about Cofix? Which was oh, it? that was specifically about Cofix RX. That's I thought it was because you said the carrageen, which allows it to stick into your nose and nasal cavity, gives you more protection. That product is on the platform as well. It's a great product. My wife's mom took her mother took that. Uh, she's eighty two and was struggling health wise, and you know. It, even when my wife had COVID for the second time, remember I talked to Dr. McCullough, I thought she was going to get it, my, my, my wife's mom, yeah. and she didn't get it by take, I'm telling, I swear by this product, she took it every eight hours, the Cofix nasal rinse in the nose, and she was faithful every eight hours of taking that, and you know, she never, I mean, can you believe this, and she has a lot of comorbidities, and it would have been really problematic for her to get COVID, you know, she didn't get it. I know the same thing happened here. My wife got a pretty severe cold. It wasn't COVID, but we've got a 98-year-old, 89-year-old in my house. I said, oh my gosh, my 98-year-old father, he's cooked if he gets this. And we use Cofix RX faithfully in everybody all around. And the cold was limited in my wife. It was shorter in duration. Nobody else got it. The other thing about Cofix RX, it's a small bottle that doesn't leak and it's travel secure. I'm telling you, this is our travel buddy, Cofix RX. It is, it is amazing. This product, I love the product. You, it, it, listen to us again out loud, 20% off. The key is out loud. Remember that code. On any of these products, you get a discount, 20% off on that product. We negotiate all those discounts in advance for you. The banner ad back there, America Out Loud, will get you that as well. Let me keep get these others in here. Susan, I heard that the povidone iodine solution mixed with water should be used that day and not stored. Is this true or can I make up a nasal spray bottle worth for the week? You know, I've seen people say that, Malcolm, is similar to the prior question. And, you know, in theory, if you had really contaminated water, that bacteria could grow in it over time. But come on, it's iodine in there, which is anti-infective. I use tap water. I use a povidone iodine, a pinch of salt. And I think it can stay on the countertop for weeks, honestly. Others are super concerned and they can use distilled water. Then you can actually keep it for a long time. The, uh, also, I advise small volumes. Uh, you know, half a half a um, teaspoon of povidone iodine in a shot glass of water or 1.5 ounces that you're not going to keep it around. I saw people early on on social media making gallons of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, huge, you know, huge brimming, uh, uh, you, you know, liter size uh, things in the refrigerator with uh, brown water. I said, gosh, you know, this, this is overkill. Just make a little bit at a time. And that's all you need. That way it's relatively fresh yeah. each time. Yeah. And, and again, friends, this is if this is another alternative for you to mix it up yourself. Uh, and the post, the most shared post in America Out Loud is on the front page under COVID resources. If you go to the front page on AmericaOutloud.com on the left sidebar, partway down, the post says dilute povidone iodine nasal oral washers for the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. The most shared post in the history is right there. And you'll see a ton of comments, a lot of information with that post. But if you want to mix it yourself, absolutely do it. No question. The information is in that post to do it. If you want to get the Cofix RX and do it that way, great. There's another product called Clear. It's spelled X-L-E-A-R. We 
got banner ads going up shortly on the platform for that. So another viable, that one's got xylitol in it. Really, really good product. Different than the other, but it's another viable tool for you, basically. Um, Anna asked this question, Dr. McCullough. Can I put povidone iodine right into my neti pot? Yes, you can. You don't need that much of it. Just a few drops of povidone iodine. I think what goes better in a neti pot, though, is Lugoil's iodine, L-U-G-O-L-S, Iodine, you can find that on Amazon there. You just need a few drops. That's a little bit more concentrated. It goes a little better in saline. Okay, that is it. We've squeezed as much as we can into this program. That's a packed hour. You got a lot of information, friends. Uh, again, America Out Loud Pulse, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m., 10 p.m. is the encore on the iHeartRadio network for America Out Loud Talk Radio. All shows go to podcast 24 hours later. America Our Loud Pulse, what do we say? Always a beat ahead.